Welcome to What That Means with Camille, companion episodes to the In Technology podcast. In this series, Camille asks top technical experts to explain, in plain English, commonly used terms in their field, then dives deeper, giving you insights into the hottest topics and arguments they face. Get the definition directly from those who are defining it. Now, here is Camille Moorhart. Hi, and welcome to In Technology Podcast. I have with me today Slava Podmarne. He is CEO of Vizart Tech. And this company does, among other things, augmented reality and virtual reality. So we're going to talk about what that means, the future of AR, VR. And we're also going to dive into some of the applications that his company works with around ed tech and e-learning. Welcome to the show, Slava. Uh, hello, Camilla. Thank you for the invitation. And it's a pleasure to share some of my knowledge with your audience. Thanks for joining us all the way from Berlin today. I know your company is based out of Delaware, but you're on business travel. So appreciate the time zone juggling and whatnot. None of the worse. <laughs> if somebody's never heard of it, or maybe somebody's heard of VR, but they don't really know what it is other than sort of goggles and a better experience or something to do with meta. What kinds of things are VR and AR used for? What's the difference between VR and AR? And really just like, what is it? How does it work? For me, it's additional layer of reality we have comparing to real world. In real world, we perceive information, we're able to get it. But at the same time, we use computers. It's also like some sort of additional layer of reality. VR and AR brings the same information we see on our displays, uh, but it brings it in a more immersive way, in a way you can collaborate with that data and use it uh, more efficiently, more in natural way. What's the difference then between virtual and augmented reality? So inside virtual reality, you are fully immersed inside virtual environment. So you're inside some sort of experience. Imagine like a movie theater and you're watching the movie and you see just the screen and everything else is black. So it's virtual reality. If you're talking about augmented reality, so... Imagine like real world, but you just see, for example, my avatar in front of you. So it will be like augmented reality, just additional layer on top of real world. Can you explain how the metaverse is put together? Is that classified as VR or AR? I wouldn't say it's even connected to VR and AR. Again, like VR and AR, it's a method of seeing things. You can see the same things using your display, your laptop, your phone, for example. And metaverse is just a virtual world. So the world, uh, you can be inside uh, some sort of virtual environment. I like example, like compare metaverses to, to games, but sometimes in games, I don't know, like you play slacker, for example, or you can just chat to other people or fish together or do any other activity. Okay, so it's immersive in a different world. Is there going to be anything else on this continuum that's emerging? I mean, I've heard AR and VR for... A long time now. So uh, is there another one that's coming? Uh, probably not. Like in, in the latest Apple developments, for example, they just mix it. So you're able to add more virtual reality or add less virtual reality for some experiences. So there were like a term called mixed reality. But mm -hmm. again, people stop probably using that because it's basically the same. 
I was just watching the ad for the Apple VR goggles. I'll call them goggles. I don't know what, what they're officially called. Vision Pro, probably. There we go. Yeah, Vision Pro. So In Apple's concept, you can see everything as you see with your eyes. Just add some sort of like additional layer, like a virtual display, for example, or a virtual person. Right now, we're using some software to communicate uh, using the video calls. And we see each other, yes, but imagine we just use those goggles and see each other as avatars in, in real room or in virtual office, for example. It's much more immersive and uh, much more realistic for our brain. And when that happens, are the gestures that I'm making real-time actually incorporated into the avatar? It depends on the headset. If we're talking about Apple recent uh, innovation and technology, yes, they have gestures tracking and they have face tracking, eye tracking sensors. So basically you will see like some sort of like digital reconstruction of our real bodies. And yes, uh, we're able to change our outfits, uh, you know, have no problems with uh, our shirts and our backgrounds. And and it doesn't, we all have to center it on Apple, but I mean, how do these devices work? How do the goggles work? They're shining something in to do gesture tracking or eye tracking. Like what exactly is happening inside of that goggle? If you're talking like evolutionary about those devices, the first ones were to separate displays, uh, which were displaying some information closer to your eye. And it's, uh, with use of special lenses, uh, you get it like more in an immersive way. If you use your phone and put it close to your eyes, it won't work. Yes, it, you'll see almost nothing. But with special lenses, magnifying lenses, you'll see uh, it's like between you and your eyes, for example. In recent devices, uh, they use uh, a set of outside cameras and inside cameras and maybe some additional sensors to show you the image, for example. Outside cameras to track movements and the environment, which is crucial. Yes, you don't want to hit a wall or have an injury. And they use some internal cameras to track your eyes and maybe some face gestures as well. So what is something that would surprise people about AR or VR right now? you will get much more information at the same time. I like to say, you know, like in, in TV, like you have frames. So in one frame of your brain, you'll get uh, much more data. At the same time, you'll be able to see probably at night. You'll be able to see things you are not able to see with your vision. I believe like there is a huge potential for medical implementations where patients with uh, vision problems will get much more information they really need to because otherwise they are not able to see that. I didn't know about the seeing at night. That makes perfect sense. Can you give us an example of something that your company, Bizarre Tech, is doing in this space right now? We have one medical startup at the moment. We have a cooperation with a doctor who uses uh, visual reality to help in patients' rehabilitations, especially patients with severe brain injuries. It helps them to rewire their brain so they regain ability to see, they regain ability to move properly with uh, special exercises inside the virtual reality. So you can see that medicine and uh, rehabilitation will become much more affordable with those technologies. Yeah, it's interesting to me personally because I think it was about 15 years ago or something. I went up to shadow a physician, I think it was University of Washington, He was using virtual reality to help kids who had been burned victims in fires. Really unfortunate. Very, very painful. And they have to change the dressings and the wounds. And that's a very painful experience also. And they were trying to offer kids an opportunity to use less drugs possible, right? Because they're still developing brains and whatnot. And so they found that if they gave the kids these VR 
headsets and they they gave them peaceful environments. I think the one that I saw was like, it wasn't even very realistic. Again, this is like over a decade ago, but it was like a snow scene. And because, you know, trying to create some cool and the kids could like lob snowballs back and forth with a snowman or something. And the kids had control over their own pain medication, I I suppose, up to a limit or something. But they found that the kids in these headsets were using like up to 90 percent less pain med because their brains were so distracted with the game and they felt more at peace. I mean, that was like a long time ago. So I can imagine now it's come a long way. Uh, actually, we had similar example collaborating with a London-based startup and uh, they were doing some sort of like pleasant environments for patients who are not able to, like non-curable patients, you know, like in, in serious statuses where they only can lay all the time. And those patients also showed much better performance results. Uh, even they start using less medicine, uh, their attitude to life improved because they'll be able to see the world, they'll be able to walk again. So it's, I believe it's a huge difference uh, if you talk about medicine education. Okay, so I want to ask you about securing these things. Now I've got cameras pointing in toward me, collecting, probably can identify that I'm me because my eyes are unique. But besides that, it's also looking, you know, can tell where I'm looking, can probably tell my emotional reaction to what I'm sensing. And then also now if I'm walking around my house, it's not just that it's allowing me to see kind of past the overlay that they have of uh, they as in whoever's making the goggle right the overlay of the the application or the screen that's dropped in front it's actually videotaping or video recording what i would be seeing so now there's like a video of my home right (laughs) so help me understand how we deal with this It's definitely a problem uh, if you're talking about privacy and security, and we just need to rely on the data protection of those companies and data regulation acts uh, of governments. So, yes, that is true. They basically record everything and they hear everything you hear. Even with current like smartphones, yes, like they're able to hear and see a lot. With VR, they'll be able to see those headsets, they'll be able to see everything. <laughs> okay, so... I guess essentially you'll want to, if you're going to purchase one of those as a consumer or business, you would just want to know that and be aware. Also, I suppose if you're interacting with somebody who has one on, know and be aware that it could be recording you as well in that interaction. At the same time, we receive much more information and uh, we are able to interact with data information in more efficient ways. So I, I would say it's the progress. People were scared about first cars and the first cinemas. and it, I would say it's the same. Remember, Europe before the smartphones, uh, it was a totally different world. And now we're okay that they're recording us. I mean, not okay in general. Yes, we invent those acts. We try to protect our privacy. At the same time, it, it works. And it works pretty well. And how is this going to interplay with artificial intelligence? I mean, it's a massive data collection mechanism, right? We just discussed cameras pointing out and pointing in. So... How is that going to overlay with like biometric data that's been collected? It's impossible without AI. It's already uses a lot of AI mechanisms like uh, in order to use those cameras. Before the cameras, there were like some special sensors on a wall, but it was bulky setup and no one would probably use it like that professional uh, VR. Now they use just cameras and computer vision to determine obstacles and uh, 
some other stuff outside the camera and same for inside sensors they'll definitely use ai to catch your emotions your eye position because based on where you're looking at inside the vr they optimize those applications to give you a better picture more immersive experience uh, and so on answering about data protection and uh, gathering data they'll probably those like headset manufacturers they'll gather all possible data they'll understand uh, where you're looking at, uh, which advertisements you see, uh, which things uh, attract your attention, basically everything. At the same time, get your medical information. I mean, it, it's the same. Like now we use smartphones, we use some uh, headsets, we use uh, Apple Watches, for example. Mm-hmm. They help a lot of people, yes, with medical conditions, even to call emergency services. So definitely those like headsets will help us to be in more secure environment. But the mm-hmm. price is definitely they will get all the data. So who owns the data? If we get to the point where I'm looking through the goggle, but you know I'm essentially operating this device, is it a lo- like location based? You know, if I'm in my home, I own the data, or if I'm at the office or a job site, then they own the data. Or it's the same probably as with smartphones. The manufacturers they definitely store some data probably let's hope impersonalized yes so they just use it for technical reasons and for statistics and definitely the business owner example if you're a worker at a factory and you use ar goggles with a special software made for this factory so definitely the business owner or this factory will get all the data you see and use because it's business Based on the experience of using information, data, and data protection acts, probably there will be like some sort of regulations. If you do not want that people read your face, there will be like some sort of limitation in the software. As on your social network, you can select some sort of options that I don't want to be visible for people outside of my network. Yes. And so probably some kind of regulations from the government, definitely. Your company, Bizarre Tech, is using AR and VR to help with ed tech, right? Education, technology, and e-learning. So can you talk to us about how you address security within those spaces? I wouldn't say there is something different connecting to VR and AR and security. So basically, like if you have any educational application uh, where you can learn a language, uh, there's no big difference. You still need to encrypt the data. You need to make sure that you have a safe infrastructure. You need to separate some personal data with some impersonalized data maybe separate payment gateways and and so on. Definitely make security audits uh, all the time to make sure you're well protected. Can you give us a sense of how rapid adoption is in those spaces? And are there obstacles to overcome that, especially in the case of children? Yes, definitely. There are some obstacles. Uh, A lot of current uh, headsets, they have some age limitations. For example, Facebook's uh, Meta Quest uh, headset, they have a limitation like 13, but recently they downgraded it to 10 years. I have a son, he's eight, and he uses VR a lot. I mean, in reasonable amounts, of course. (laughs) The biggest challenge for kids is to maintain the headset itself because it's still big, it's still bulky, and uh, it may be uh, some sort of like expensive for schools headsets the cheapest one is like around like 300s there are other applications and some companies still uses you know like some simplified headsets like cardboards still because they're so much cheaper and so much easier to maintain still kids able to see much more inside virtual reality they able to be inside the volcano they able to see all those processes in 3d 
So it's much more immersive. So they're inside the science, uh, which is great for for them. <sighs> Does your company work with children specifically or more with industry? We mostly work with businesses and businesses work with uh, kids. Um, but still, we have testers. We have testers at home and we get some feedbacks from schools. Uh, and kids are interested. They like new technologies and they're so much more native in those comparing to, to us. Mm -hmm. Where would you like to see the technology go? How are you excited personally to see it evolve? Are you looking forward to like implants inside of, you know, I would love a contact lens where I could pop it in for my night vision out, yes. camping experience <laughs> and then take it out when I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, if you're talking about like some sort of implants, it's, it's really kind of scary because, uh, you don't want any electronics in, inside your brain. But at the same time, maybe it's it, it's definitely the future. At some point, we'll reach that out, uh, I hope. Right now, probably uh, the biggest problem is that like people don't really like to wear like even eyeglasses. Um, we're talking about some electronic devices covering the whole vision of you. So it's the biggest problem of their real devices right now. Why are these goggles so thick? And are we, you know, is the next phase like thinner goggles or a overlay within glasses? Or is it actually just, you know, a contact lens? Or are we going to get all the way down to a chip implanted somewhere inside of us so that there is no kind of external device? <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely it will get thinner and probably at some point will be inside our brain. So we will have nothing to wear. If I remember, like the first Google Cardboard, it, it was basically like a cardboard where you put your smartphone and you see through it. So it was mucky. And in the first version, there were even no straps and no buttons at all. So it, it wasn't too easy to use. The current generation is much thinner. It almost looks like normal goggles. And I believe like next generation will be just, you know, like sunglasses. And the next one probably will be more like lenses or even some sort of implants, probably. What? kinds of applications are you seeing demand for AR and VR? If we're talking about education, uh, definitely the ability to show for students more processes. They're able to be inside a volcano. They're able to, to be inside the working engine, for example. They're able to be outside in space uh, like astronauts. So they're able basically to see so much more. And more they see, more educated they are. If we're talking about industry, for example, you have a person who sorts some sort of goods in your manufacturing factory, and uh, you want to improve their efficiency. So the only way to do so is to give them AR goggles and highlight some products so they can do it much faster and much more efficient and with less error. So for training purposes? No, not for training. I mean, for training as well, but okay. uh, also for actual production. Uh, imagine you're an engineer and you inspect a production line for any uh, problems and with AR goggles, you can instantly see the blueprint, you can understand mm -hmm. uh, the problem. Some sensors from the production belt may alarm you that like in this place particular, I have a problem, please check me out. An engineer sees through the metal. Again, it's like additional layer of reality, which gives us a lot of information we're not able to see in the real world. Automotive, it's a huge opportunity for designers to collaborate engineer or viewing production line because right now a lot of industries they do like digital twins of their factories in order to optimize those factories in order to make it safer environments do some trainings and simply improve the production line and improve their business explain what a digital twin is digital twin is basically 
exact copy of, I don't know, imagine a factory and digital twin is the exact copy of that factory inside a simulated environment. So you have all those machinery, you have all those business processes, you have all those uh, manufacturing processes happening inside simulated environment. And you're able to simulate and see maybe some logical errors in production. You're able to train your staff to behave better in case of some emergencies. Basically, you do whatever you want to simulate any occurrences, any changes to that production and see the output result without putting billions of dollars uh, into real changes. And I can definitely see how you could run uh, machine learning algorithms on the sort of speed up the process and simulate uh, something that might occur, either positive or negative. Yeah, it's a good point. Definitely, you can do this and uh, you can simulate different scenarios. For example, you can like make an assumption. Okay, I want to improve the belt one. Uh, I want to improve output from like 500 items per hour to 800 items per hour by adding another equipment. You add it into digital twin, you see the output and there may be an error. Yes, you won't be able to do that in real life, for example. And you you can do like path of like uh, trials and errors and uh, get like the most pleasant result. Do you think within five years, everybody will have some sort of a headset or glasses or implant? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not implant, definitely. But uh, I believe in five to 10 years, there will be no like displays, no laptops will have some sort of glasses. And there will probably, there will be no smartphones probably even in course of 10 years. We'll see it. There will be like a lot of different applications and technologies. So it's really interesting to see that mankind progress in that build. I was just wondering when you think we might achieve the Star Trek version of virtual reality. Is it on the horizon? It's a good question. I thought about that. Probably um, based on my assumptions, within like probably 20 to 30 years, we'll definitely be able to do that. Okay. Not so far away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> will, will we be doing time travel by that time also? Uh, probably not. It's like more like complicated quantum problem than just a simulated environment. Well, Slava, thank you very much for the conversation. I find it extremely interesting, the future of AR and VR. So thanks for talking through it and the security implications. Thank you for the opportunity to share my knowledge and experience. Stay tuned for the next episode of In Technology and follow at Tom M. Garrison and Camille at Morehart on Twitter to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and author and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Intel Corporation. Intel Corporation.